Let's check in on uh, where, uh, or Bob uh, Iacchino's take on the number. He's the founder, he's chief strategist of Path Trading Partners. He's joining us this morning to take a look at the data. Bob, we're looking at it here right now. It looks like the permits came in a little bit above expectations. The uh, starts came in below, but both uh, declined from prior levels. Yeah, good morning, Ben. This fits the narrative, right? I mean, we're low on supply and housing. Builders want to build. They take out permits. They can't build because they don't have the supplies. A specific home builder down here, whose name I won't mention because they're publicly traded, is only releasing two new houses a month, even though they've hmm. got multiples of that number sold, because they just don't have the supply to continue building it, hmm. and they don't offer a pool anymore in Florida. <laughs> it's about 126 degrees here right now. It, why a, aren't they offering that, Bob? No supplies. Interesting. They can't build things. Yeah. Now that'll obviously ease up at some point down mm -hmm. the road, and I really think. That's what Jerome Powell is hoping for. You know, they talk really tough on inflation. Jerome Powell did that yesterday. He said that you might, well, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he basically implied we might have to endure a small recession in order to get inflation back toward the Fed's target. We all know we're about three to four times past the Fed's target, depending on whether you're looking at core PCE mm -hmm. or headline CPI just kind of the range of inflations that they look at. So we're three to four times past their target. And I think down the road, when the assets really start to get hit, when consumers really start to hurt, and I would argue we're already seeing that. If you mm -hmm. looked at retail sales number yesterday, Ben, it was strongish, right? Mm -hmm. But then you look at, you go to the Fred, uh, St. Louis Fed's website, Fred, and you see that the inflation in adjusted retail sales is actually negative. Yeah, how about the uh, New York, uh, the data, Empire State data negative as well? Right. So people don't realize when they look at that headline, I think a lot of traders do. So I'm probably talking to people who understand this, but traders know that that retail sales number is not inflation adjusted. So mm -hmm. you look at the inflation adjusted, it's negative. You look at Target, you look at Walmart, how they're how mm -hmm. they guided and everything's pointing now to a weaker consumer. The only thing that's left to drop is a savings rate. And we talked about this last time I was on with you specifically that the savings rate may be a little bit misleading because the growth of that savings rate is starting to taper off. Mm -hmm. That means the lower middle class to lower level socioeconomic spectrum consumer has run through their savings. It's just the wealthier consumer now that still is adding to that savings and that's going to have a way as well. Okay, so it fits the narrative, Bob. I guess the question here being, does it fit the objective? I mean, this is what uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell and the FOMC is really trying to achieve. They want to slow the economy down, but not necessarily crash land it. Yeah, I think when they said that a soft landing is sometimes out of the Fed's control, uh, if I could use my Fed translation skills, I would say that that meant that a soft landing is out of the question, quite frankly. I mean, I think that's what Jerome Powell was trying to say without saying it, is that we're not going to have a soft landing. You look at something as simple as government debt, okay? Government debt during the financial crisis. This is during the financial crisis, late 2008. Really, it rose about $1 trillion. In the last five months, we're not in a recession yet. In the last five months, U.S. government debt has jumped by $1.5 trillion. Yeah. Now, if you just go back five months, the 10-year was at 187. Yeah. The five-year was at 165. Uh, they're higher now, quite a bit higher. So servicing that debt gets more and more difficult every single day, and the debt has leveled off, but we still have that extra 1.5 trillion that the government has to service. So there's going to be a period of time 
where Jerome Powell comes up against not only a weakening consumer, but a government that's trying to service massive amounts of debt, debt that's increased by 1.5 trillion at almost double the interest rates, not quite, but almost double the interest rates that it was at five months ago. Yeah, during that period, I remember, uh, well, back then, the uh, two-year down around a half a percent, I think it was. Uh, Bob, talk to us about what this means for the U.S. dollar relative to the other, some of the other foreign currencies, because uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, needs to kind of uh, act accordingly, but the ECB a bit late to the party at this point. And while we're hearing that come July, they may start to get a little bit more aggressive and participate as well. That's got the dollar off recent highs, but we're still talking about multi-decade highs, 20-year highs for the greenback. Yeah, I think until the Fed implies that they're going to slow down in their tightening cycle and their quantitative tightening, I think the dollar is still the play. Okay. Everything that goes parabolic eventually pauses, and I really think that's what's happening. Bob, if I can uh, interrupt real quick, even if we continue to see inflated data out of, like, I want to just pull this number here. Look at the CPI number out of the U.K. overnight, 40-year highs, I think it was. I mean, similar to what we're seeing here in the U.S., I guess I just wonder how long can that continue to be the case if, if inflation out of control globally as well, not just here in the U.S., point being. Well, remember, the U.K. is actually acting, right? They've actually hiked rates. They have been. You're right. A bit more aggressively. But then, you know, to your point, not including today, so over the last three sessions, the dollar's down about 1.7% against the euro. Uh, it's about 1.94% against the Canadian dollar and about 2.5% against the, the pound. So the pound, as you mentioned, as you point out, and rightfully so, is the one that's really moving because their central bank is being the most aggressive. I would argue that Canada is being just as aggressive, but they're mm -hmm. so tied to us mm -hmm. that if we start to slow down, they're going to slow down as well. The, the ECB is the central bank I would not want to be a part of in any way, shape, or form because they have massive problems. Germany just announced that they're going to end purchases of crude oil from Russia. That's a big deal. They're going to do it by the end of the year. Russia may actually push that point. We don't know. Uh, but so their economy is going to suffer from higher gas prices. JP Morgan yesterday came out and said we should prepare for $6 gas prices here in the U.S. Hey. Inflation is sticking. I love that the Fed ignores, I shouldn't say ignores, but takes a secondary look at headline inflation. They like X food and energy more. But in this particular case, the food and energy part's likely to be sticky because of the energy part. And that's likely to take away sales from other things and probably calm those core numbers quicker than they'll calm the headline numbers. Here's a quick look at the euro currency you can see, but stick with this chart for a second because I want to point out we've got the dollar index here. As Bob mentioned, coming off these highs, the euro comes off uh, uh, levels uh, from down below. Uh, that inverse correlation, you can see the well-defined trend up here. Uh, the question is, I guess, have we seen the top or are we going to continue to consolidate and then one point remove or uh, regain uh, this momentum to the upside? Bob, I just wanted to uh, mention here our neighbors to the north, uh, Canada just reported CPI numbers, which topped expectations, 6.8 year over year. Uh, the core CPI came in at 5.7 year over year and month over month CPI across the board. These numbers were higher than expected here. Now, a bit of a downtick from prior levels, except for the year over year numbers. Those were an uptick from prior levels, but month over month here, a little bit of a downtick, but still above expectations. Uh, Bob, talk to us a little bit about um, ultimately uh, rates here in the U.S. Then, I mean, you know, we've seen the 10 year starting to inch its way back to the 3% level last week, the 30 year to 3.27, I think it was. I mean, kind of a reflection of what you were speaking to the points as far as the U.S. dollar and the position the Fed's in. 
Yeah, I'm short treasuries right now, so okay. long yields, looking for higher yields. I think the 10-year is going to make a run back up to that sort of 328 intraday high. I think it was a 324 settlement high. It might have been 312. I'd have to look back and check. Uh, I think we're going to make a run back towards that. And the interesting thing about that, again, and these are the kinds of things that's going to put pressure on the Fed. You know, medium term, and I should honestly probably going to get Oliver pissed off at me again. OJ is going to be pissed off, but it's almost time to buy precious metals and Bitcoin again. Simply oh, interesting. The move toward fiat, or I should say away from fiat, when the Fed pauses, which I think they'll get through three rate hikes. I really mm. do. And that's part of the reason that I'm long yields right now and short treasuries, is I think the push for the next three meetings is set in stone. It's going to be very difficult to pull away from that and explain the current narrative. Uh, they can't explain the current narrative and they pull away from those three meetings. But then I think there's going to be a drastic pause and that's when you're going to need hard assets. And I'm going to throw digital assets in with that as well. Talk to me, Bob, uh, short treasuries. Do you expect to see the indices kind of recover at this point and start to regain composure somewhat? Is that tied to your expectations as far as Bitcoin and risk on sentiment starting to come back into play a little bit here? Well, the kind of earnings that you've seen and the kind of guidance that you've seen from Walmart and Target really, I think, is a wake-up call for equity. So short answer is no. Okay. I, I still think we're we're setting up for a medium-term bottom. And what I mean by that is maybe a six-week move, maybe 12 to 18% higher, possibly 20% higher. But that's not the end of the bear market. And, and I reiterate again to people, they shouldn't be afraid of the term bear market. Mm -hmm. We're in a bear market in the NASDAQ and the Russell simply because those terms have a technical definition. And that technical definition is 20% from the all-time high. And we've hit that on both the NASDAQ and the Russell. We're out of the bear market when we make a new high. So every rally now is a bear market rally for the Russell and the NASDAQ. And you have to ask yourself, is the Dow and S&P going to go into a bear market or are we going to pull out of the Russell and NASDAQ bear market? Because even though the correlation is not one, in those four asset classes, you would think it's one, but it's not. For example, the S&P and the Russell is about 0.96. So one or the other is likely to happen in order for those correlations to come back in line. And I suspect the Dow and the S&P are going to go into a bear market before hmm. the Russell and the Nasdaq pull out. Okay, we've been keeping an eye on uh, that disconnect as we've seen, again, as you pointed to, weakness in the Nasdaq and the Russell relative to the other two majors. Bob, solid breakdown. Appreciate you helping us take a look at the numbers here across the board, financial markets and, well, Bob Iaccino joining us this morning. And uh, always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for uh, taking out part of your day to be with us here. Bob's the Chief Market Strategy Path Trading Partners.